Hi, I'm Eric Dewey from the Socially Awkward Studios, Science and Beer, and Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. And you're listening to another proud presentation of the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Check out more shows at foureyedradio.com. Starfleet Escape Podcast. Prepare for launch in three, two, one. Enjoy the ride. Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode number 45 and is being recorded on August 8th, 2014. Today's topic, Prelude to Axanar. I'm Eric. I'm Ashley. And I'm Aaron. This episode is brought to you by Raven Designs. Illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit ravencruise.com. How's it going, Eric? It's going fantastic. Good to hear. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. Ashley, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Yeah. Uh, one year from today, Ashley and I will be... Happily married. I guess. Yeah, happily. <laughs> what? Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. We'll be married. Well, uh, congratulations. Yeah. So the countdown starts... <laughs> I hope I'm invited. You are. Yes. I did it. Break the Boston. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. All right. Got that plane ticket now. Oh yeah, I, I better plan. I, you know what? I'll wait for the save the date. Yes, yes. That'll, that'll be coming out in a couple of months. Yes. Or trek the date. Oh. Oh. Trek to the date. Okay, now I have to ask: Are you guys going to do a nerdy wedding? I don't. I don't know if it's too early. It's going to be an infusion of Star Trek and Cinderella. Don't ask how it's going to work, but (laughs) it's going to somehow. It's going to be Cinderella with some uh, undertones of Star Trek. With some trekuments. Yeah. So maybe you'll see some uh, Delta Starfleet shields. (laughs) <laughs> about the place, but it's mostly going to be Cinderella. You know what? Uh, I got this idea from another friend's wedding that I went to earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Have the tables, instead of like numbered tables, have the tables be different Star Trek ships. That's like what we placards. were thinking about doing. Aaron and I, we were talking about that. Yeah, I was like, oh, maybe we can have ship classes. Or the Enterprise and Voyager and... I know, but there are some names that people wouldn't get. Oh, uh, okay. You know? I don't know. But something like that. And then you could have, yeah. like, Cinderella's Carriage Table or... I right. don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah I've, uh, I've been working on that, too. But there's not too, too many in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And the first movie is, like, my favorite. Oh, so um, now you have to dig into the sequels? Yeah, and... I'm like, I don't really know a whole lot of the sequels, but eh, we'll see. And they probably suck too, right? <laughs> probably. They do. It's like, That's why you know, I like direct them. to DVD. <laughs> exactly. It's like all the sequel Disney ones. They all kind of stink. And Jafar the... needs a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm very happy for you too, and it's going to be a good year. Thank you. Yes, it yes. will. And same with you. It will be a good year for you. Oh, it's it's gonna be a great year. Woohoo! Yeah, and you're you're going to Paramorphicon. Uh, yes, 
Thank you for the plug. I, in two weeks, August 22nd through the 24th, I will be there along with a couple of my co-hosts from the Ranger Command Power Hour, and we will be covering the event live. I will be live tweeting all weekend. So if you are a Power Rangers fan and listen to that podcast, just keep an eye on uh, my Twitter. And we're we're trying to do a live stream episode. Oh, nice. So we are trying to plan that. So that'll take place instead of our uh, regular episode since, you know, it's on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. And Saturday will be the biggest day of the convention. I know Saban has a lot planned surprises for the Power Rangers fandom. So if anything, Saturday is the day that you want to tune in to everything. Nice. Very cool, very cool. We will definitely do that. So that would be the 23rd? That is August 23rd, yes. Okay, cool. Awesome. It's like, in two weeks I'll be in Pasadena. It's going to be great. Nice, exciting. I can't wait. All right. All right, so why don't we move into some Star Trek news. Great. So first up here, the social media site Star Trek Riza has a Star Trek online contest going on. So you can win an amazing STO bundle of duty officers, starships, energy credits, and more. Just upload a screenshot of your character selection screen with the hashtag STO login on the Star Trek Riza website, and the winner will be announced Saturday, August 30th. I guess it's time for me to actually start playing the game. You know... Since it's free to play. I installed it and played one mission so far. Oh, well, how did you like it? This was uh, probably a month ago that I did it. Okay. And uh, it was okay. It was all right. Some getting used to, but it's not bad. Oh, I was going to say you don't sound too impressed (laughs) with it. Oh, well, I mean, it's it's, uh, better than Star Trek Legacy. Oh, well, thank God. Anything's yeah. better than that game. So if you take that into account, it's it's pretty good. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so it's it's cool. You get to, like, design your character, you know, pick its race and uh, uniform style. You can pick the type of uniform that they use. So it's it's cool. Nice. Now, what uh, race did you play? I'm human. Oh, you're so boring. <laughs> I, made I, him, I made him look like me. Oh my god. <laughs> I I would have been Andorian and been all cool. And you're like Well when you You're like I'm a human. <laughs> Actually I'm not I'm not sure if Andorian is a choice. Well that's a crime. And I and I will never play that game. <laughs> maybe no, no, maybe it is. Maybe it is. How about okay. Orion's slave girl? Hey now. That probably won't be. I have, oh wait, we have seen one in Starfleet in the new JJ movies. I was just going to we, say we've, we've seen, seen two them. in Starfleet. Yeah, that's true. And they, they look like uh, but uh, have you seen Guardians of the Galaxy? <laughs> oh my god, I did. <laughs> Zoe makes a good Orion. I would say she does. Yeah. Did you I, watch it? Yes, I've seen it. I've seen it's it. It's an amazing movie. It's incredible. I think everyone needs to watch it. Yeah, the best sci-fi movie I've seen in a long time. Yes. I haven't had this much fun at the theaters ever. And I know we're talking about Star Trek, 
This is a Star Trek podcast. And you, you can actually check out the long box cast on the Four Eyed Radio Network. They just did an episode that's a spoiler cast mm-hmm. for Guardians of the Galaxy. But holy crap, I've never had so much fun at the movie. Right. I bought the soundtrack. Oh, and really? it is the best soundtrack ever. It's got these great 60s and 70s bands. Yeah. It has put me in such a good mood. I can't stop listening to it. It's great. Yeah, I love that music. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. It was an uh, awesome quick, mix. Quickly, though, uh, favorite character in the movie. Oh, my favorite character? Yeah. It would be the, the main guy there. It was a Peter? Is that his P- name? Peter Quill, Star-Lord. Yeah, Peter Quill. Yep. Ashley? She I did not see it. Go to the movies <laughs> right after we record this. <laughs> My it, God. It might be too late. <laughs> and you, uh, I, I think I know yours. Yeah, it's Rocket the Raccoon. Yeah. He was incredible. That was cool. And I liked seeing uh, when he was putting on his clothes, you could see the robotic... Yeah, his character was not only one of the funniest, but they put a lot of emotion into his mm-hmm. backstory, and it actually got a little dark at times. Oh, it yeah. was just a great movie at all. I think any Star Trek fan would get a kick out of this movie. Right. It's, it's, oh, it's so good. Anyways, <laughs> uh, moving on to the next point of the news, Sesame Street will be parroting Comic-Con in their 45th season with Numeric-Con, which will feature a puppet of James T. Kirk. Mm-hmm. Now, I saw this video. Yeah. <laughs> the Kirk puppet yeah. is hilarious. Right. They get his... They get his mannerisms down yeah. perfectly. Right. And I thought the voice was great, too. Whoever did that was awesome. Mm-hmm. I haven't it's, seen it yet. It's it's funny. It's funny. It's it's just like a preview of of that of the short. Yeah. Uh, so it's funny. I I believe Captain Kirk himself, William Shatner, tweeted out the other day that he was a puppet. <laughs> so so he has seen this. And it's funny because the puppet even has the hair, the Kirk <laughs> hair. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just it's fantastic. Yeah. So if. Uh, you know, go out watch the this little trailer of of the short. It'll be in our show notes. The next thing, Shatner and NASA had a Twitter exchange on August second. Shatner tweeted, "How is at NASA doing today?" In NASA's reply, at William Shatner, "Good day, Captain. ISS is in standard orbit, and Commander Swanson has the con. Hope you're having a great weekend." NASA's full of a bunch of nerds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. I, I missed this interaction on Twitter, and I follow both of them, so yeah. I should have seen it. It was it was uh, last Saturday, I think. Oh, okay, cool. I guess in 2013, this happened before, yeah. where Shatner tweeted to Commander Hadfield, Chris Hadfield, who was very famous for tweeting pictures and Mm -hmm. video. He has since come back, but uh, Shatner tweeted, are you tweeting from space? And he said, yes, standard orbit, Captain, and we're detecting signs of life on the surface. (laughs) (laughs) 
for an eyes. Nerds, so. get a life. <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's really great that Shatner is interacting with NASA because mm-hmm. I think NASA is such an important part of our future going forward in terms of space. Yes. And I, I think more support needs to be going towards NASA, mm-hmm. especially, you know, their budget. Because there's been so many, you know, cutbacks. I, I think they need a boost. I think we need to step up our game for the next chapter of exploration. Yes. That's I, I that's my little rant. Yes, the next generation of NASA. Yeah, let's make it Let's make it so. Oh. Oh, snap. Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, Eric, but Star Trek Renegades released a clip entitled The Mission, which Captain Lexa Singh lays out the mission. I have not seen this, but then again, I've been very busy. Mm-hmm. But I do like what Star Trek Renegades is doing. Yeah, the clip was pretty good. It, you know, it's a short clip, a rough cut, I guess, of, of the clip. But it does feature the Captain Kirk of Star Trek Continues mm. as a Cardassian. Oh. Well, yeah, I've, I've seen pictures of him. Right, well, this critic. scene has him in it oh. as one of the renegades. Wow, I'm going to have to check that out after the show. Definitely. This is kind of special and relates to what we were talking about earlier. Star Trek fans wed at the recently passed Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. Mm. Mark Rastucci and Amy Campbell were married on August 1st. The wedding was in the style of Riker and Troy's wedding from Star Trek Nemesis. Oh, my God, were they naked? No. Um, Oh, okay, good. It wasn't the Betazoid wedding. (laughs) Oh, oh, thank Jesus. Also participating in the wedding was Houston Huddleston from the Hollywood Sci-Fi Museum. I think that's really cool. Yeah, it is. It's it's awesome. This is the first time they've had a wedding at the official Vegas convention. Here's the thing. Why not, instead of whatever you guys are doing, since it's a year away, just get married at the Star Trek convention? Well, uh, Houston actually <laughs> uh, suggested getting married on his bridge set, because I guess next year... They... Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, because I guess next year... They're going to be before performing a few weddings on their bridge set. Nice, nice. Yeah, I said I'd have to run it by uh, Ashley. I don't <laughs> think that would fly <laughs> with her family. So. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I think my family would just call us big weird nerds. But but that's what you guys are. That's what we're. That's what we all are. Yeah, yeah, uh, actually. Uh, oh, oh, right. Well, that's what I am. I don't know about her. <laughs> I'm a starter nerd. <laughs> a starter nerd. <laughs> starter nerd, I like that. A starter pack. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations to Mark and Amy. Yes, the happy couple. Yes. <laughs> so and they also had uh, someone dressed as Data in... The nemesis dress uniform there, the white one. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I don't know if he serenaded them with blue skies or not. That would have been hilarious. It would have been. I, I bet you he did, because it looked like he was singing in the pictures. Did I it? hope someone recorded this. I would love no, to see that. Someone had to have, right? Yeah. But next, we decided to split the news into two sections. So we, have, we just finished with the news, and next up, we have Kickstarter news. 
since Kickstarter seems to be the new big thing and yes. has been taking up a big portion of our news in recent episodes. That's true. So first up, free enterprise TV pilot Kickstarter campaign. So this is based on the 1999 cult classic film of the same name. The f- campaign runs through August 20th, and they're looking to raise $225,000. I- I'd never seen the original film, but with 11 days to go, they've raised just short of ten grand, 10000 So quite a ways to go. It's an uphill battle. I hope they're able to reach their goal. Yeah, I've actually never seen Free Enterprise. I think it's been in my Netflix queue for like three years. I just Mm. haven't got around to it. Yeah, no, same here. I I definitely wish them success, and I hope they get it. But yeah, with uh, 12 Days Ago, that's pretty harsh. Yeah, it's it's an uphill battle for sure. Yeah. Next, the Gene Star Trek Roddenberry Project half-hour documentary exploring the genesis of Star Trek through the personal insight of its creator. Funds secured from our Kickstarter will help us round out the story by interviewing surviving cast members, Roddenberry's friends and family, as well as licensed footage. They have reached their goal of 15000 as of this recording, they have raised 18831 Actually, I just checked. It's past $20,000 now. Oh, wow. Oh, well. So. And they have, they have 48 hours to go. So, unfortunately, by the time that this airs, the funding will be over. But I'm glad that they met their goal already. Yeah, definitely. Uh, congratulations. So I mean, I don't know really too much about Gene Roddenberry. He passed away while, you know, we yeah. were little. Yeah. He passed away, so. I have seen a couple of documentaries, not on him specifically, but his son, Rod Roddenberry, did, mm-hmm. like, a really good documentary based on what it was like growing up with Gene as his dad. Right. And he did interview people that talked about Gene Roddenberry, but I think a solely, you know, Gene Roddenberry his life film would be great. Yeah, definitely. Right. So next, Bridge Commander 2 campaign relaunch. Based off the original Star Trek Bridge Commander, Bridge Commander 2 seeks to redefine space simulation games with an immense amount of detail and worlds to explore. The game is planned to primarily be an MMO or massively multiplayer online game but throughout you will find a single-player campaign with engaging story arcs that will help shape the future of your faction. They are seeking $70,000 by August 22nd. And right now, let's see where they're at. They are at $3,500 pledged of the $70,000 goal with only 13 days to go. So that's that's a huge uphill battle. Yeah. Yes. So I think the concept is is good. Yeah. And um, they announce they announced stretch goals all the way up to $110,000, but uh, I I really don't see that happening. No, it's uh, I would I would love more original Star Trek games, but yeah. right. 
this looks pretty difficult. Yeah, uh, just 13 days to go as of this recording. Really we'll, tough. We'll uh, keep an eye out on it. Yeah, keep. Yeah, we'll keep an eye out. Hopefully, I've actually banked three Star Trek Kickstarters at the time of this recording. You're a beast. I am. I'm beasting it. Um, yeah. <laughs> as as one of my friends at work would say, I'm beasting it. Um, no, I I got the Green Girl movie. I right. did that. I actually got the Green Girl movie, the actual disc, in the mail last weekend. Nice. So nice. I need to watch it. I just haven't had time to watch it. I'll probably do that this weekend. Cool. I banked Prelude to Axanar. I'm still waiting for my perks on that. But they are very busy right now at the convention season. Right. So I think perks will be going out next week for those. And I also just backed uh, the Star Trek Axanar uh, last weekend in the first five days of uh, their Kickstarter. Speaking of which, mm-hmm. as of this recording, the main Star Trek Axanar, 16 days left in the project, they have more than doubled their goal of $100,000. And right now, as of this recording, they are at $209,000. The project that project will be fully funded and then some on August 24th. And as you recall on our last podcast, this, this Kickstarter will be going towards the set construction. Holy macro. It's, you know what, if you've seen Star Trek uh, Axanar, Prelude to Axanar, which we will be talking about, mm-hmm. you know that the main event is going to be just as good. Right. Oh, yeah. If not right. better. Better, yeah, I'm hoping better. It, it, it's going to be amazing. It's it's going to be like an actual Star Trek film. Right. right. The, the production exactly. values are, are insane. Mm-hmm. And I cannot wait to see the set that they build because yeah. they have some of the people that worked on the original shows. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, it's nuts. It's really nuts the amount of amazing quality that they have. And they recently added a 3D tour of the bridge. Oh, really? on their Yes. If you go on their Kickstarter page... Uh, about halfway down, they actually show the video for the set of the the concept, the 3D model. Nice. And it looks amazing. It looks like a mix between the original series bridge and then kind of what we saw in the Abrams movies. So you can see that evolution start to happen. It looks great. I saw some time ago 3D designs of the bridge that they were working on. Yeah, those look phenomenal. Kind of like you said, a, a mix. I thought maybe a little bit more of a mix of uh, Enterprise in the bridge. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. A bit of Enterprise thrown in there too. Yeah. Yeah, just to kind of show that a little bit more gritty mm-hmm. kind of atmosphere. Because, like Alex said, the JJ universe splits off at the Kelvin, so that kind of design should have been in the Prime universe. Yes. So, and, and and we'll get into that a little bit. Moving on to our next section of the show, would you buy it? So, Eric, would would you purchase I'd, this? I'd buy this in a heartbeat. Ashley, I don't know if I would. So a maybe. Yeah, it it will be a maybe for me. I would if I had unlimited funds. Of course, purchase this. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the Star Trek Borg Cube fridge. 
which is selling for $149.99 via ThinkGeek, our unofficial sponsor. Yes, uh, speaking of which, I recently purchased the ThinkGeek bag of holding. Oh, yeah. For the Power Morphicon convention. It is a great bag. Yeah. It's made of, like, this canvas material, Mm -hmm. so it's really strong. Uh, One of my friends said that his has lasted five years. Oh, wow. So it's it's a good bag that I will be using for conventions. And I have a couple Star Trek patches that I'm going to have sewn onto it. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Well, I'm going to customize it a bit. Cool. There you go. But ThinkGeek has a lot of great Star Trek products. And this fridge, it, it's a Borg cube. It's yeah, got, it's got the, cube. Yeah, and it's got the green lights. It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes, it has uh, it glows green behind the Borg cube coating to look like the ship, and the interior light is also green, and it has the capacity to hold nine cans of soda, uh, with a little extra room for bacon or something, <laughs> according to Think Geek. Well, they they love their bacon over there at Think they Geek. They do. They do. I uh, would so- totally get this. I I love it. I love the design of it. It's great. And yeah. you could put it next to, like, a little model of the Enterprise-D or something. Oh, yeah, if you had a small one. Yeah. Like yeah, a, like one of those micro-machine ones? Or... Yeah, definitely. And it's pretty big on its own. I think it's um, it says it's 6 inches by 7.5 inches by 8.25 inches. Oh, so it's not quite oh, a... Oh, that's, no, that's the inner dimensions. My bad. Oh, okay. The outer dimensions is 11.5 inches cubed. Okay, so good. It is a cube. Yeah, it's that's a big size. Yeah. Yeah, it's about a foot. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah. a big size. <laughs> yeah. I think seven of nine said that once. Whoa. No, so, she really did. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. uh, so we're giving this uh, two and a half Delta Shields. Out of three? Out of three. <laughs> Okay, that's that's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Since she said maybe. Yeah, so go buy it, people. Right right now, damn it. Tell them we sent you. Maybe they'll give us something. They won't. Do it. They won't, but maybe. We'll see. So now, on to our main topic, Prelude to Axanar. Ooh. So if you haven't seen this yet, where have you been? But you can... Find- <laughs> what? Yeah, what are you doing with your life? Examine your choices. (laughs) You can watch it on the Star Trek Axanar Kickstarter page, which I can understand why they're doing that to get more traffic to the Kickstarter page. Of course, yes. I hope once the Kickstarter is over, they publish this on YouTube and other other places. Actually, I hope they do it a week before the Kickstarter ends so they can get a bigger boost... Mm. God, I'm sure if this went to their YouTube channel, and because this is essentially the proof of concept for this movie. Right. And I was so impressed by this. I've never been more proud to donate to a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't done a lot of crowdfunding, but in the past year, I've done a lot of it. And I can say Axonar has been great in providing continual updates Mm-hmm. through their pages. Uh, they're great at keeping people up to date on where the perks are and what's going on. So, and when we interviewed Alec, you know, it couldn't have been a more perfect... I think the people behind it are great. Yeah. And they know what they're right. doing. And 
this video shows it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where the money of the first Kickstarter went to, and it looks gorgeous. It looks like something that Paramount did. Yeah, mm-hmm. or right. should be doing. Or should be doing, yeah. yeah. Right. Or CBS, I don't know, get off your butts. Yeah, do something. Come on, 60, not 60, 50 years. I don't know why I keep on wanting to say 60, but 50-year anniversary, right? Yeah, next year. And so. next year is the 20th anniversary of Voyager. Really? Yeah, next year is the Oh, 20th. came out in 95. Yeah. That's right, January 95. Yeah. Right. 20 years. I feel old. You are. I hate you. <laughs> wow. That's like a slap in the face, man. I'm, I'm joking. We're only a year we're only a year apart. God. So, uh... Well, the way you said it, it sounded like I was ancient. Jeez. Like he was 60 years old. Maybe. But... Maybe I'm thinking everything's 60 years old. I don't know. Oh, God. Well, uh, Prelude to Axanar is six months old uh, in terms of Kickstarter. So, uh, the cast. We've got Alec Peters, who we interviewed, as Garth of Izar, the main character of Prelude to Axanar. Mm-hmm. We've got Gary Graham as Vulcan Ambassador Soval, uh, reprising his role right. from Star I, Trek Enterprise. That is freaking awesome. It's incredible. It and right. that gives it that continuity that I yeah. like. Yeah. I think that's their version of the pass-off. Like, kind of like how in the Next Generation they had McCoy right. talking to Data in the first episode. Mm-hmm. And it makes perfect sense that Gary Graham reprises Soval. Right. And an age-appropriate Soval, too. Like, right. the totally older Vulcan version. Mm-hmm. Because it's in its past Enterprise. Yeah, and much past. I, I know I know we'll get into this, but at one point Saval in Prelude mentions in kind of a sleight yeah. of hand way to Schwan because right. he mentions the Andorians. He's like, I knew an Andorian once and you know, it was just I was like, Oh my god. I thought so, of you when he said that. Yeah, I I'm very glad that Axonar is taking into account all of Star Trek continuity, including Enterprise. It's great. Um, next, we have J.G. Hertzler, who played Martok. Right, which we saw at the uh, Boston Star Trek convention. Yeah, I hate you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah, J.G. Hertzler plays a human in this, Captain Samuel Travis. But I thought it was a neat throwback, because at one point he speaks Klingon. Oh, yes. yes. So next, we've got Richard Hatch, who was... Apollo in Battlestar Galactica, and he also played a new character in the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. Okay. Uh, he is a fantastic actor, and he plays my favorite character in this whole prelude to Axanar. Mm-hmm. He plays C- Supreme Commander, uh, the Klingon Karn. Yeah, I, I, th- I thought the I thought that was good. Yeah, I thought this was one of his best roles in terms of that viciousness. Mm-hmm. Next, we've got Tony Todd, who has also played a Klingon in Star Trek. Uh, he was Worf's brother, Kern. Right. And here he plays the human Fleet Admiral Ramirez. Which he killed it. Yes. 
We've got Kate Vernon, who played Captain Sonia Alexander. She was also in the Battlestar Galactica reboot. And finally, the narrator is Orion Akaba. He is, he's a voice actor. Mm. He's done uh, many things in anime and video games. He was in Saints Row 4, uh, Berserk anime, and quite a bit of other things. He was the right voice for this. He definitely sounded like a history channel. And that's the thing that they were going for with this. Yeah. Was like a History Channel special in the future. And I thought it worked brilliantly. Mm -hmm. Because it's 21 minutes long. Prelude to Axanar is not short. And with commercials, if if there were commercials in it, Mm -hmm. this would feel like a 30-minute History Channel special. Right. Right. They even had it in the titles. It was like, oh, this is part four, Prelude to Axanar. So... Now I'm curious, I'm like, whoa, i got to see the other parts in this series. I think they meant to do that right. for future projects. Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe they'll have, like, part one, and it'll be earlier in the Federation history. I, I'm looking forward to more. Yeah, Me definitely. Too. So what's what's the plot, Aaron? So, uh, Prelude to Axanar is a short film that will give you a historical look at the events leading up to the Battle of Axanar the central event of the film, Star Trek Axanar. Filmed like a History Channel special. Each character gives a different view of the war, with the Klingons leading up to the final confrontation that will be chronicled in Axanar. Yeah, I love how the essentially the end of the special was kind of like, oh, what's going to happen next? But Find out in Star Trek XNR. It was like a to-be-continued. Exactly, with that torpedo coming at you, like, oh. And then, like... Oh, it was exactly like that, like, whoa. One more, what's happening with the ship? Oh, my God. And we got a taste of a little bit of the battles in this, mm-hmm. you know, in this special. Yeah, and I have to say, I have to say the effects are on par, if not better than what the TV show has done. Right. And it was it was at least on par, I think, with the new Star Trek movie. That's what I was going to say. It was definitely that caliber. Like the, yeah. the angles the, and everything. The, the cinematic camera shots. Right. It wasn't like in the TV show where, you know, all the ships would be on, like, one plane. In, in the original series. And they tried to fix that in the remastered version uh, of the series, but, mm-hmm. oh my god, this is... It's amazing. It's like dogfights in space. Right. It was awesome. Very high energy. Right. Right. So we have uh, Karn, his entrance. Yes. That was a pretty impressive entrance, as they're all talking about him, and they show him walking down that hall. Yes. It, it it really goes to show Richard Hatch's performance and the gravity that he gives to this role. Because when you see his entrance, you're like, "Whoa! I don't I don't want to mess with that guy." Yeah. Like even for a Klingon, like I I know you know in recent series Klingons were kind of like dumbed down and they were just considered warriors, mm-hmm. but this totally reminds me of that Star Trek VI type of Klingon, like the brilliant calculating enemy. Yeah, like a true warrior. Right. Right. 
as you say, Star Trek VI, the cranial ridges on Karn is very reminiscent of Star Trek VI. Very subtle ridges, which I dig. I like that. I I like that a lot. And I thought that was a great tie-in to the movie continuity as well. Right. This is very cool. Next, if you noticed, because this quote-unquote documentary mm-hmm. takes place after the War of Axanar. Sonia Alexander and Garth of Izar, in this short, they actually wear cage-style uniforms. I thought that was a good nod. Right. That was an excellent nod. And I, I think that they worked with Anovos for those uniforms and the uniforms that they're going to be wearing in uh, the, you know, the main Axanar film. Right. So it looks authentic, and it looks great. Yeah, because Kate Vernon's uh, character, uh, when they do the flashback scenes, yes. she's wearing a different uniform. I'm yeah, she's she's wearing the ones that will be used in XNR to represent yeah. that time period. So I, I thought that was a good touch. You don't see all the uniform, you just see the top half. But Yeah, uh, but, but they tease it just enough where you're like, all right, that looks good. Yeah. Next, reconfirms crews preferred to serve with their own species. I love this. I loved when they were like, oh yeah, the Vulcan ships and the Andorian crewed ships. And oh, that was such a great tie-in to the original. Yep, and, and that's something that Alex said. Yeah, and they tied it in to the strategy of how they won the right. war. Because every crew had a different style of fighting. And because you can't tell who's crewing a ship from the outside, the Klingons never even knew what to expect. Right. Because they didn't know what species they were fighting, so they couldn't predict. They couldn't predict the fighting style. Yeah, that could have been a limitation to Klingon sensors at the time. Right. That might, that might have... Pushed, pushed them in their next uh, gen of starships to create better sensors. And cloaking technology as well. So next, so we have a nice, at the beginning credits, we have a nice yes. nod to Memory Alpha, the planetoid that was home for the Federation Central Library. I thought that was a great touch, and I like the logo that they created for that. Yeah, yeah, that they had that one, and they had one for, I think, the Federation Historical Society. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. So good. Yeah, it's cool that they made this as a galaxy-wide broadcast by right. the Federation yes. of Planets. Yes, that little intro in the beginning, and it had the United Federation of Planets flag. Yeah. And, oh, that, that was a nice touch. They're really yeah. good. I thought that was pretty interesting how they combined the the two the Klingon and the Federation one together. Oh, when they did that. Yes. Com- yeah, they, the combination. Well, they like combined it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was really I was good. Like, oh, that's pretty interesting. And it it's kind of laid out exactly as a historical special would be. Right. And I love that they had the uh, lower thirds graphics. Like the titles, everyone's titles. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, yes. They popped it up and said, "Oh, Vulcan. Oh, this is Ambassador Saval, Vulcan Ambassador." And right, those tu- those little touches, it makes it like you're watching an actual historical documentary. Mm-hmm. Right. And they also had those great battle graphics as well that showed right. like the borders 
Uh-huh. And and maps that you would see like in historical films, like oh, and then they went to this planet, and here's the borders, and here's what changed. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know the the human, you know the Starfleet took back this territory, and it was that was a nice touch too. Yeah, yeah. I thought the I liked three that star too. systems in thirty days. Right. They took back. Yeah. That was cool. That was definitely cool. And like we said, the graphics in this prelude to Axanar are the best that we've seen in any independent Star Trek production to date. Right. Yes. So getting back to when you said Hertzler and Todd speak Klingon. Yes. They speak Klingon, but Karn doesn't say a word in Klingon, which I found odd. Um, I wasn't too bothered by that. Uh, I wasn't bothered by it, but I figured... Out of everyone, he should have been the one to have at least one line in Klingon. Yeah, maybe, but I feel that they gave, you know, those couple lines to Hertzler and Todd, not only as a nod that they played Klingon characters in the past, but they've been speaking Klingon vocabulary for years. Right. So they they know how to say it. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe, and that's, this is not, I, I have no idea behind the scenes, and I don't yeah, even right. know. But right. maybe Richard Hatch uh, didn't know Klingon? Or, I'm sure he doesn't know Klingon. Well, yeah, I mean, but no, I mean that, you know, maybe they didn't have enough time to teach him well, how to pronounce yeah, it. I don't know. It's a hard, hard in a harsh language. Yeah. So I could totally understand. I mean, I can hardly speak English. So I can just... I, I know. <laughs> it's rough. Oh, goodness gracious. Great balls of fire. <laughs> so next, the USS Ares has twin forward torpedo launchers. Which is a nice nod to the Constitution class. The Oh, the refit has twin launchers. Yes, but yeah. they made that they noted that the Ares was built for battle. Right. It was like they're right. strictly combat ship. Mm-hmm. So they had to pull out all the stops. Right. Like it's it's weird. It's not like traditional dual torpedo launcher where it's side by side. Right. The torpedo launchers are on the opposite ends of the I guess the deflector dish. So completely on the opposite sides of the hull. Yeah, I think that was a good uh, way to show maybe it could provide a better aggressive spread of torpedoes. Right. So that that's one thing. I'm down with it. I thought it was cool. Oh my god, it was it was a great looking effect, mm-hmm. and all the battles that they showed in Prelude looked absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. I can't wait for the main feature where where we see the full battle. Oh yeah, and, and right. not just not just clips of it, but yeah, yeah, I thought I thought the twin torpedo launchers on either side, I thought that was a very aggressive move and mm-hmm. technology that we haven't seen before in Star Trek ships. Right, right, and they mentioned the Endorians gave the phaser technology that are used on this ship. Yeah, and I think the Vulcans uh, gave them the shields. Yeah, defensive technologies and environmental technology. Which is consistent with what happened in Enterprise, because when Enterprise did that flash forward into the future in that alternate timeline, you know, when they were in the Expanse, uh, it was stated that the Vulcans basically gave them deflector deflector shield technology. Mm. So I thought 
everything is a great nod to not only the original series, but Enterprise and also the original series movies. Right. And I thought it was interesting seeing the two different types of phaser technologies. We have the kind of like a bolt phaser. Which ties into the JJ universe. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And, and then you have the beam uh, yes. phaser. And I kind of like that approach because, you know, maybe the, the bolt style was more toward, to whittle down enemy shields. Mm-hmm. And the regular phaser was to deliver that final blow. blow. Right. Because, you know, you can pepper the shields with all these, like, mini bolts, and you're basically stressing the entire shield system mm-hmm. to develop a weak point. Right. So, man, the, the tactical stuff that they had in the battles of this, and they mentioned several different tactics. Like, mm-hmm. the Klingons were basically playing with Federation ships. Right. And they even have a word for it, and they mention in the documentary, but it's basically like the Klingons show no honor towards their enemy. Right. They're basically mocking them. Mm-hmm. So I thought, I thought that was a really good uh, tie-in. I did as well. One kind of in-universe thing that I thought was odd and maybe wouldn't happen was having Karn agree to be in a Federation documentary about the Klingons losing the four-year war. I thought it was good having the opposing side. I thought this needed that. I just thought that in-universe, I don't think you would be able to explain why he would agree to it. Maybe, unless he felt, you know, honor in telling his side of the story. Uh, That's true. That's a good point. Because, you know, if he was asked to do something, of course he's going to defend himself. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, maybe... Maybe explain it wasn't his fault that they lost. It was because of the High Council didn't support his his uh, tactic. Or, uh, right, his... and, and, and maybe that was his way of sticking it to the High Council as well, by agreeing maybe. to appear on a Federation program, essentially. Right. But the, I, I did, I, didn't they say in the beginning of this, when they were saying, didn't they say, like, this is a galaxy-wide broadcast of yes. the United Federation of Planets? Yep. So... If the Klingons could intercept that subspace transmission, mm-hmm. that would be a great way for Karn to basically give the middle finger to the Klingon Empire. That's not true. listening to him. So I think there's your explanation right there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Some bitter feelings towards the high high command. Yeah. Now in the documentary, we see Tony Todd's character, the Fleet Admiral. He gives this amazing speech in this big arena, which might seem very familiar to viewers of Enterprise's last episode. It's the same arena that Archer gave his speech, basically signing the Federation Charter. And in Prelude, it's referred to as Archer Arena, which I thought is a fantastic nod to Enterprise. uh, This is full of those little nods. Right. Yeah, and if you're a fan, like like I am, like you are, mm-hmm. you see those nods and you just you you it puts a smile on your face. You're like, "Yes, they got it right." Right. It ma- it makes perfect sense. He was he be Archer became a president. The fir- yeah, the f- one of the first presidents. Yeah. Not not the first, but right. right. But he was a president, but he was essential in bringing together the Federation. 
Right. So, of course, it would be named after him. It would be so awesome if in the full feature... Yes. ...they're somehow able to have... Um, Scott Bakula? Scott Bakula. As, like, a really old, super old archer? Because... Because they, Archer died, apparently, right before the Enterprise uh, NCC-1701 was commissioned. Like, right. he... He died on the the launch date right. of the original, so he would be, he would be super old during this Axonar documentary. Mm-hmm. But he should still be alive. Yeah. Well, not so during the ha- documentary, but he, uh, during the time period of this four year war. Oh, so he he could be like they could show him as the president of the Federation yeah. or something. Yeah. Or, or something. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's a good idea. Yeah. Hey, Alec. <laughs> Try to get Scott Bakula. I think we just gave him an idea, and I want them to run with that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know Scott. Script. I know Scott Bakula may be a little busy. Uh, I know he's doing a new show. Yeah. But that, oh, yeah the NCIS. NCIS yeah. yeah. But if he could just take a weekend or two and film something for this, I would. I would be on board even more than I am now. Yeah, no doubt. Like I'm, th- I'm throwing money at the screen, but nothing's happening. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's make this happen. Yes, make uh, it so. Make it so. Uh, hashtag Archer for Axanar. Oh, uh, yes. We need I, to start that. I just called that. Yeah. he's Bacula's not on the uh, on the Twitter, I don't think. He is, but he does not use it uh, at all. I follow him, but it's like, wah, wah. Well, I don't think he's tweeted in two years. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> Gotta get his uh, publicist on that. Yeah. Uh, so one thing, and I thought, I mean, it was obviously for dramatic effect, but why are the D7s being built in a green nebula? What the hell's wrong with a green nebula? There's nothing wrong with it, but I'm just saying, I mean, why couldn't it be like it's, a blue it's, nebula? Or it's camouflage. A nebula? It's camouflage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, you know, the D7s are green, it's camouflage. Yeah, I guess. Uh, that makes sense. I, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that, but I'm, yeah. I'm like, yeah, come on, can't you do something else? That's for dramatic purposes, shut up. Um, <laughs> no, the um, I loved that they inferred that there was this whole arms race going on. Yeah, right. And... Visually, I really don't know what the difference between a D5 and a, a D7 is. It's just like a bigger version, essentially. Right, so, yeah, so like the D, uh, D6. Or, yeah, D6 or whatever. That The D6 looked like it had a better engine, or a better impulse engine to me. Like it had the yeah, four, I don't know. Yeah. four things compared to the D7. But, I mean, the D7 is probably just bigger. <laughs> Yeah, it's a big warship essentially. Yeah, but and they made it very opposing on screen when it showed up. You're like, whoa! Like, yes, yeah, it's, it's not like angles the... and everything. It it made it seem very like, oh my god, they're serious about this. Yeah, it's, it's not. It doesn't look like the D7 from the series. The you know monocolor kind of like the flat looking. model essentially right. that they used. Yeah, this is uh. Not quite the Kateng class. I think I'm pronouncing that right. From from the next uh, generation. From uh, from the motion picture. Oh right, right. Which is basically the D an upgrade D7. Mm-hmm. It's not quite that. Something in between. Yeah, and again, they're showing that evolution. 
mm-hmm. of the the Starfleet ships and Klingon ships. Right. And I like that they're doing that. Yeah, definitely. And they have some pretty looking Starfleet ships in 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 this. Oh yeah, they introduced a few new classes that we haven't seen before, and a lot of them are that perfect mix of looking like they're from the uh, JJ universe. Yeah. Like they've there was some very Kelvin looking ships and you know the multiple different pods and it looked really nice. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen a uh, Miranda class in there. Oh, like a version of that? Yeah, like a precursor to the Miranda. Yeah. Um or I like did before the refit rather. Yeah. I did like the hints that they showed of the Constitution class being built. Yeah. And I like that they had that as part of the arms race. Right, the uh, the heavy cruiser that yes. is, we needed to build these to win the war. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, apparently we Starfleet got them out before the D7s were able to right. get out and, and do their thing. So... We have the Enterprise 1701 being built in orbit around Axanar. Yeah, see, that immediately sent my uh, canon continuity alert going on in my head because I'm like, wait, the dedication plaque mm-hmm. says the San Francisco shipyards, San Francisco, we'll Illinois. See the, San Francisco, the original... Illinois. San Francisco, California. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the movie ones, the ones in the movie, so the Enterprise A says San Francisco Shipyards. Yes. But the original uh, on TV says San Francisco, California. So my theory is that the San Francisco, California is referring to the operating authority, uh, Mm. Starfleet headquarters, being out of San Francisco, California, and not necessarily place of of uh, manufacture, because we also have on that Starship class, on the original dedication mm-hmm. plaque, which could, again, just be a generalized a generalization, not the name, because we all know it's the Constitution class Starship. But more like a... Um, a generalized classification. Not, like, it's not a shuttle. Yeah, it's just Starship class, it's not a freighter, that kind of a thing. Yeah, that, that's what I'm, I'm rolling with. To kind of allow it, allow the Enterprise to be built around Axanar. Yeah. Or maybe they moved the fleet to Axanar, because like they said, they wanted to make the Klingons have a, a tempting target. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was built being built around San Francisco, but then they said, you know what, let's move it to present this nice big target to the Klingons and lure them into our trap. Possibly. But that would mean that they're basically trying, almost sacrificing their new ships. That was a gamble, I think. And you would, uh, you might want to have the ships built, like Axanar was right in the middle of everything, mm-hmm. as presented in this uh, documentary. I personally would probably have my ships being built as far away from the battle as possible mm-hmm. and then have them you know, go in, just in case of something like a complete invasion by the Klingon Empire. Mm. But I'm not a tactician. I'm not Garth of... Uh, eyes are. <laughs> and um, neither am I. Explain that too. That yeah, it, that it was that it was a nickname. 
Yeah, because yeah, I was like, during the original uh, series episode, I'm like, why does he have that name? Is that his name? Like, who? That's his birth name? Garth of, of Izar? I'm, I'm glad it was just a nickname presented by the Klingons. Yeah, and that's that was a nice bit of, like, that was a creative retcon, yeah. essentially. Right. So that he he got this, you know, impressive nickname or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, Here's the thing. How did you feel about the profanity used in this? Oh, I was okay with it. It's not the first time we've heard swearing in Star Trek. Yeah, I I thought I thought it was all right. It kind of leans more toward the J.J. Abrams Star Trek, right? Where I mean, you know, in the in the other Star Trek movies, yeah, we've had like a dam or double dam or. You know, like data saying, right? Uh, but yeah, we've you know we never had that kind of swearing until uh, the J.J. Abrams movies. So, but it's natural when you're talking about war, when you're talking about battles, it, it's just natural. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad it's you know the less squeaky clean version. Yeah, because if we if we look at Star Trek Four in that comical. Uh, that movie was hysterical, but you yes. have them not knowing how to swear in Star Trek Four. Yeah, and you know maybe this was more of a you know maybe that time period between Axanar and the original series, you know things got more refined in the Federation. Possibly. So I I, I don't know, I, but I thought it, was, it made it more realistic. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that's cool. yeah. That's what you would say when you're talking about you know the worst enemy that you've got. One thing I really liked was that sequence when they showed the Klingon cruiser being shot down over the city. Oh yeah, and it crashed into the city. It reminded me of Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah, right. it was it was cool how I don't, it ejected something. I don't know what it ejected off um, as it was coming down. Oh, I don't I don't remember that. I saw that. Uh, it. I don't know. Could it have been like Maybe people some, coming out? Of I don't think ship? it was. I don't think it was escape pods. I think it was more like some like well, Klingons don't up use, a vent or something. Klingons don't have escape pods. Yeah. So I, I think it was like. Uh, no, no. You know what? I just looked at it. Mm-hmm. It's it was loose plates because they were entering the atmosphere. Oh, okay. It, it was like plates of the ship coming off because they were coming into the atmosphere too fast. Oh. That's what it was. I just looked at it. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I thought that was cool. A touch of realism right there. Everything was realistic. I, God, I really enjoyed the effects in this. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't even tell that it was uh, the backgrounds were CGI. No. They, they looked really good. Because uh, I'm pretty sure Archer Arena was all CGI. And they did a pretty pretty good job of making that look real. Uh, it, it was incredible, and I got to see behind-the-scenes pictures mm-hmm. uh, through the uh, donors group of Axanar, and every single scene that these actors were in, that was all green screen. Right. There really? was green screen everywhere. All those backgrounds were computer-generated. Wow. Everything, yeah. Yeah, they weren't really in orbit around Earth or Vulcan. Well, I kind of figured that. <laughs> but but it wasn't even a set piece. Like, they didn't even have windows Yeah. That with the green screen behind it. It was just the entire set was CG. Right. 
I thought it was it was very impressive. Yeah, definitely. Yes. It shows how far that technology has come, or what you can do yeah. with a lot of money, because we've had a few independent Star Trek films that have attempted green screen uh, and sets before. Th- they haven't been as successful. No, not not nearly as successful. Or you go the other way, like what Star Trek Continues does, and have these fully built, amazing sets. Right. But that costs money. Right. And yeah. what Prelude to Axnar was able to do with the budget it had and just have CGI sets, it's incredible, the amount of talent that they got as well. Yeah, and just imagine they're going to have sets in in the actual movie. So how how great will that be? It's it's going to look like an official Paramount produced movie, Star Trek movie. Yeah, it's it's going to look like that. There's no doubt about it. What I kind of want to see is how they're going to make the bridge. Well, that's what this past Kickstarter was for uh, right. to build the set. So, uh, yeah, we'll look at their... Yeah, the 3D rendering, because it it shows a very good uh, 360-degree view of inside the bridge. It looks impressive. Just the 3D model of it looks impressive. So if they're able to build that up, it's awesome. Now, what did you think about Axanar being in the middle of the core Federation worlds of Vulcan, Andor, Teller, and Earth? Uh, kind of wonder why we've never really heard much about it before. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if if there's an indigenous species there. Well, in Enterprise, we did see the Exnarians, I think, that, that are from Axanar. Okay. We saw them in the, uh, the season one episode, like the second episode, Fight, flight or, fight or Flight. Okay. The, those were, they were the Axanar species. And remember, I posed that question in our interview where mm-hmm. I asked them, are we going to see the species of Axanar that they're fighting for over the planet? And he kind of said, no, not really, because yeah. that's where battle was staged. So I, I saw that graphic where Axanar was in the middle of the core worlds, but it makes sense because if the NX-01 was one of the first places to discover that planet, mm-hmm. it would be fairly close to Earth. Right. So. Yeah, that makes sense. So one of those planets uh, that they show begins with an N. It's not... I, I couldn't place it. I, I When I saw it, it, I immediately thought of, like, the Narsikans. I don't know if that's their homeworld or not. Mm, interesting. But I didn't think they were a member of the Federation. So I don't, I don't know. No, I think they were always just a an alpha quadrant species, yeah. Right. So I don't know what that was. I don't but know anywho, anywho. Uh, <laughs> do you have any other thoughts on Prelude? No, I just thought it was very good. Very, um, very good. Yeah, because when we last saw, uh, what was it, Liana, Liana. Oh, Lolani. Lolana. Lolana. My bad. Lolani. Lolani. I thought that was a great one as well, but I lo- I liked this one even better. As far as independent films right. go. Yes, okay. because of the graphics and all the ships and. Yeah, this was graphics intense. Uh, this film compared to other 
independent Star Trek films. It, it, it was amazing. Yeah. Oh, and another thing that I found that was quite interesting to see being tra- transformed was J.G. Hertzler. I remember him from Boston when he was dressed as a Klingon, but then when I saw him as... Human. Human. <laughs> on the other side, I mm-hmm. thought it was just very interesting. I haven't seen... What is his name? Todd? Tony Todd. Tony Todd um, as a Klingon, so I couldn't really couldn't, say, couldn't say anything. Yeah. No, I didn't realize that he was Candyman. Or in, in yes, Candyman. yes. I'm not a horror film guy, so I when I was reading his IMDb, I was like, whoa, what? Candyman? Yeah, he's been in so many great films. He has that presence about him. Oh, yeah. And the speech that he did in Axanar, it gave me goosebumps. I was yeah, like, was... "Holy crap!" And they, they also they make his performance like everyone in the documentary was like, "Oh yeah, this was an inspiring speech in Federation history," mm-hmm. and they made it seem that way because his performance was incredible. It was phenomenal. His performance was better than any CGI could have been. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. This was by far... that. If there was anything, that was the thing that made Axanar. When he did that speech, forget about it. It was incredible. Exactly. It was awesome. So what, what would we rate this? Out of five Delta Shields. You got five. Five? Wow. You really liked it. Yes. I will give it... Four and a half. I will also give it four and a half. And there you go. So we really like this independent Star Trek short. This <laughs> independent Star Trek film. Yes, the, the prelude. <laughs> there you go. Prelude to X and R. It's not a fan film. It is no, a no, 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 no. independent Star Trek production. Uh, do you have anything else to add? Uh, go watch this now. Oh yeah, do it. Wait, uh, wait till we're done. Well, wait till we're done with the episode. But my God, you need to watch this. Yeah, if you haven't, like I said at the top, where have you been? Go do it in like twenty, fifteen minutes or so. All right. Seriously, watch it. So let's move on to the subspace channels, and this week's question: Have you seen Prelude to Axnar? What were your favorite or least favorite moments? Uh, least favorite, zero. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, nothing. Case, maybe, maybe someone didn't like that the Enterprise was being built above Axanar. That that was essentially why I gave I discredited it a half point. Because <laughs> <laughs> literally, that was the only thing I could find wrong with this. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. It was everything. Was uh, I? I just uh, hope they explain that a little bit more, like why the Enterprise was there. Right. But anyways, so we pretty much gave our answers to this. Yeah. So let's move on to Facebook and see what they're saying over there. So we have Eric Larson Kim Brow Jr. who says, "I have. I think my favorite part has to do with the style of the presentation, historical archive type documentary of the future. Now that's legit." That is legit. Yes. <laughs> Too legit to quit. Uh, oh nope. My, goodness um, my friend Tim Kudlicek said, saw the video on my iPad, my 27-inch computer monitor, That's a and monitor. then 
on the big screen. Oh, so he went to... He Vegas. went to the movie theater in Las Vegas and saw nice. it. Very nice. He said the quality of the effects is what really impressed me. The ship rising out of the gaseous cloud, nebula, whatever that was, was the wow moment for me in all of my viewings. Of course, also, any time Tony Todd speaks is always a great moment. So his speech was another great part of Prelude. Yeah, I agree with all that. And that, with the ship rising out of the uh, the atmosphere or whatever it was... Very reminiscent of the J.J. Yes. Right, uh, Jupiter. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mentioned that uh, in our first yes. XNR episode about that, saying that was phenomenal graphics... And at that, that, time, that was, was one of their that was one of their first teaser shots too. Yeah, that was like yeah. one of the first. And th- yeah, so at that time there was only a few, and that was one of them that you know was <laughs> very impressive. All right, so let's go over to Google Plus, and we have Jules Shared, who says, "I don't have a favorite or least favorite moment. For me, there wasn't a whole lot of meat in the prelude." It was just a nice tease to show us of what they are capable of and to give us a short intro to the characters. My favorite thing is the overall feel and tone. I'm going to have to disagree that there wasn't a lot of meat in Prelude. Mm -hmm. The whole thing was like one juicy steak. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because... I, I mean, yes, they do. There is it does establish the tone that they're going for, mm-hmm. and it does introduce us to these characters. But at the same time, it tells its own story about mm-hmm. the feelings of these characters and the sacrifices they had to make looking back at this period of time. So it's for me, it's still a story, and there's a lot of meat that establishes the history and, you know, leading up to Prelude or to Axanar. Like, it's a Prelude, but it also, it's from their perspective reflecting back on the war. Mm -hmm. So, for me, it works on all angles. Right. Right. I I can understand. Maybe she thinks there wasn't enough resolution. It does leave you wanting more. And I think that's the whole goal. And that is the whole goal. <laughs> it leaves um, you wanting more so you can fund that Kickstarter. Right, yeah. And it, and it worked. <laughs> yeah, give me your money. <laughs> right. Next we have Daniel Price, who says, My favorite part was just the overall feel and tone, as Jules mentioned. For me, it gave Star Trek a far more gritty and realistic depiction than what we're used to seeing. And I love this type of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I, I like that it can still be emotional, but it doesn't have to be so sterile. You know, yeah. we can see yeah. these great battles, and we can see the real, the gritty realism, mm-hmm. and we can see the horrors of war. I, right. I think Alec Peters did a great job of showing the emotion mm-hmm. of all the people that were lost. You right. know, Garth was reflecting on this war, and he's like, hey, we, we lost a lot of great people. Right. And right. He, his character was very humble. He's like, I'm, you know, I'm not looking for, you know, glory here. I'm just, I'm, I'm sad that we had to go through this war. And the way he acted, that was, it was great. And that's the thing. He is an uh, aspiring actor. Like he hasn't, he's, 
he doesn't have the same career as all these other great guest stars. Right. But he isn't out of place when acting beside them. Right. Right. If that makes sense. Like he is just as up there with any of these guys. Mm-hmm. I so agree. Uh, I, agree. I, I liked his performance, like you said. Those that didn't make it back. He was yes. Yeah. Especially those that didn't make it back. So. Right. Uh, next, we have our good friend of the podcast, Clive Burrell. Mm-hmm. He said, "Dude, <laughs> so different to anything Star Trek before it. Of course, the actual action R movie will be nothing like this in style, but I thought the realism the cast brought to their roles was immense." Complete contrast to an episodic adventure. It was a lovely retrospective slash hindsight edge to the following proceedings. Agreed. So, uh, yeah, it was it was amazing. Yeah, I I concur. So that pretty much wraps up the subspace channels. So moving on to our last segment of the show, what puts my quantum state into flux? So this week. Why hasn't CBS produced a History Channel-type documentary recounting the Dominion War with the crew from DS9? Oh, my God. That would be an amazing thing for them to do now, especially considering that DS9 is, like, 22 years old. Yeah. Or 21 years old. And it might give us some resolution to oh, the to, to the Cisco? Yeah. To the whole thing with that? Mm-hmm. And plus, the actors are older now where they could do it without any makeup or anything like that. They right. just, like, hey, 20 years ago, Deep Space Nine happened, and here we are. We're just chilling, reflecting about the Dominion War. Right. They could totally do that. They could do that right now. They could. Why they haven't need, they? Who knows? They might be right now. You don't know. They're not, but they should be. <laughs> they're, they're not. Yeah, we know they're not. <laughs> <laughs> They should be. Someone should be. Thank you. Someone should from Paramount or CBS should be watching Prelude to Axanar and then going. And then they should be. They should be watching Prelude to Axanar, then listen to this episode to get this idea and right. then make it happen. Right. And I'll give them credit. I'll say, oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. Don't worry, I'm not going to sue you for taking my idea. Yeah, I'm not, not going to sue you. Uh, you. You heard it on the Starfleet Escape podcast. But yes, I don't care. Yes. Just make it happen. Yeah, no, don't even. I don't even want you to mention us. Just do it. Just yeah. make it happen. Uh, maybe a small cameo, but that, that's fine. That's, <laughs> yeah, small. I, I will be, I'll play a Vulcan walking in the background. That's fine. yeah, yeah. Just put me in in Andorian makeup and let's do this. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's pretty much my flux. Uh, pretty short and sweet this week. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with your flux. It was fl- yeah. I was very fluxed. Yeah, I I think. Um, this makes perfect sense. It it wouldn't be that expensive for them to do. Nope. And like we said, put some resolution towards the series since DS9 didn't get... Just, a just, get, just get the Axonar crew to do the same green screen type treatment. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Because like, I know Terracombers have been destroyed. <laughs> so. What, $150,000 is a drop in the bucket? Yeah. It's, that's nothing for a movie studio. Come on. Right. So, Eric. <laughs> yes. If we wanted to find you on the internet, how would we go about doing that? Well, all you have to do is find me at TrekkieB47 on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram, TrekkieB47. Mm-hmm. And Star Trek Riza, which I don't use, oh. but I should more. You uh, should. And Trekkie, you start using uh, Star Trek Online to enter uh, the contest. 
all of it. And then, um, so yeah, Instagram, Twitter. You can find me on Facebook somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. You can also find me on the Ranger Command Power Hour here on the Four Eyed Radio Network. Oh snap! Very Ashley, cool. uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram. Um, my username is at lilcutegirl86. That's L I L C U T E G I R L eighty six. And you can also find me on Facebook as well. I'm up there somewhere. But there are many Ashley Wongs, so, uh, yeah. Are there? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there's Uh, like a bazillion of us. (laughs) Wow. If you would like to follow me, I am on Twitter, at Nova Charter. I'm also on Star Trek Ryza, at Nova Charter. And don't friend me on on Facebook, because I'm probably not going to friend you if I don't know you. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll do this on you. But I'm also on Instagram at Nova Charter, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, that's a, that's pretty much it. You can I have a website novacharter.com, uh, but it pretty much just forwards you to all these other places. So yeah, uh, so thank you for listening, and we'll we'll see you next time. Catch you later. It's trekking time. Go go Star Trekians. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My right here's beard. Ow, it hurts. You have been listening to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four Eyed Radio Network, where you can catch a new episode every other Monday. You can find us on the web at sfescapepod.com. Follow us on Twitter at SFEscapePod. Like us on Facebook.com slash SFEscapePod. And add us to your circle on Google Plus by going to google.sfescapepod.com. This has been another proud production of the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You want to see more shows? Go check out www.fouredradio.com, you winkers.